0: heard her before <laughs> but you've never heard her like this it's Lena Wynn unscripted and uncensored
1: <laughs> I got Donnie most to smile what do you think about that music Donnie
0: I like your intro yeah? it sounds pretty cool and it's very slick it's groovy right <laughs> yeah
1: all right first of all I want to tell people that I came to this country as a refugee, okay? I was five years old, and a lot of the English that I learned was from TV. Mm. A lot of what American life was, I learned from TV. Mm-hmm. And um, one of the shows that I watch religiously was Happy Days. Oh, wow. Yes. Uh-huh. So we've actually known each other a long time, my dear. You just don't yes. know it yet. <laughs> um, in studio today, we've got Don Mose, Ralph Malfe. But there is so much more to Donnie Moe's than Happy Days. Yes. and And we're going to talk about that that all that other stuff that, that makes the guy that I just adore. Oh, um, but you can't deny that Happy Days put you on the map. Right. Right, and kind of shaped your career and, and who you are today. First of all, did you know you wanted to become an actor?
0: At nine years old, I saw the movie The Jolson Story, which was a biopic about uh, the great Al Jolson, who was considered the world's greatest entertainer back in the 20s, 30s, that era. And um, that movie had a really profound effect on me. And um, so I knew I wanted initially more to be a singer. It was more that was my first uh, passion. And, um, And I started out Pursuing that seriously when I was about 13, I was going to a school and I grew up in Brooklyn and I was going to a school in uh, Manhattan where they taught singing and, and dancing and acting. But I was I was focused on the singing, really. And then I got picked through that school to be part of a professional troupe a review when I was turning 15 wow. to sing um, in this like nightclub act. Uh, during at the summer. At 15? Yeah. Uh, yeah. At 15. <laughs> uh, it was like, uh, there were seven of us, uh, ages 14, 15, and 16. And we had an act and we uh, had a manager and we toured up in the uh, resort area, upstate New York called the Catskill Mountains. Oh, yeah. It was a very famous resort area where a lot of comedians and musicians played uh, some famous ones. That was like a big thrill for me. And I was, I was singing, um, my heart out that summer uh when i was 15 uh but then i switched gears i decided to enroll in a more serious acting workshop uh the following year i just put the music aside for a while um it's it's i'm not quite sure uh why that happened uh, it was kind of at the, on the advice of my dad because i think he i don't know the music that i that i loved and that i'm doing now were the standards, you know, the great, uh, all the great crooners, uh, Sinatra and, and you know, Nat King Cole and Bobby Darin mm-hmm. and, and Dino and Tony Bennett. This was now late 60s, you know, and that music was looked upon then as sort of like my parents or grandparents music. because mm. You know, rock, that whole uh, renaissance time of, of rock. And,
1: and you were so young.
0: Uh, yeah, I was young to be doing that kind of music. <laughs> Acting kind of made sense to because I wanted to do that too. I knew I wanted to do that, but uh, I didn't really switch gears till that year and started focusing on that.
1: And then, how did you get Happy Days?
0: So I was uh, sixteen when I started when I was in this acting class, and then through through the class, the teacher introduced me to a manager because she would recommend students that she thought had some real potential to a, a manager. And uh, this woman, Selma Rubin, was specialized in managing young you know, kids and uh, teenagers. So she took me on as a client and started uh, sending me out. I was meeting a lot of different agents in New York, and I started going out on auditions. I was in high school still. And I started getting commercials because uh, that was they—they uh, they weren't shooting very many TV shows and movies in New York then. Movies once in a while, but the bulk of the work in New York then was theater, soap operas, and commercials. And while I was in college, I was commuting into the city a lot for auditions from Pennsylvania, and 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 I did like forty commercials over those four wow. four years. And I was doing theater, some theater in college, and every once in a while I'd get a little something on television, but small. And then I decided to go out to California after uh, I came out for the summer after my junior year to sort of get connected, get some connections, and and learn the lay of the land and and spend the summer out there. So I I did, and I was able to get an agent. Because of all the work I'd been doing in New York and they started sending me out and I landed a few guest starring roles on TV shows right away, you know, oh. while I was here just for the summer. Oh. Then I was supposed to go back and finish college. I had one year left. So I, I flew back after the summer, went to my sister's wedding. It was like Labor Day weekend. And then two days later, I was heading back to Lehigh University in Pennsylvania. And uh, my manager took me aside at the wedding and said, we have to have a talk. And she said, you know, I had a long conversation with the agent in L.A. and they they said, you've got some real momentum and you should think about keeping it going and take six months off of school and just uh-huh. keep going what you uh-huh. what you've got, you know, because I'd landed a couple of parts and it was weird. It was like I didn't even have to think, you know, there was no thought process. It was just... Yes. Animal instinct. Yes. That's mm-hmm. what I'm doing. I mean, no.
1: Well, how did your parents feel about that? I mean, you were pretty much, you were going to quit school. <laughs> well, no, I mean, oh, I had, you're going to put it on hold, right?
0: Uh, yeah. I was, <laughs> yeah, was going to put it on hold. And th- yeah. They were not happy. They, they, they were very concerned, but, but it was like, Hey, it's six months. And then if things don't work out and they were worried, they were concerned, but you know, I was able to do it and sort of finance it myself. I mean, they'd been very supportive. Of, this was something I always wanted to do, but they supported it, you know. And but then I said, look, this is just something I really feel strongly about. And literally 24 hours after being home, I flew back and, oh, and I stayed at somebody's house that I knew for until I could find an apartment. And because I didn't really know anybody, I knew one person out there, you know. Then I, I got a part pretty quickly so that was great but then nothing for several months you know Mm. nothing and i'm going oh that's scary i made a mistake and that i and i was getting really concerned and um but just right around then uh i got a call from my agent um about two separate projects and i went in to audition for both of them and and then uh, one of them was was pilot for a new show about the 50s called happy days and um, so I went in, and then I had got called back for a second audition. Uh, this time with Gary Marshall, who created the show, and about ten, fifteen other people in the room. And and then I get a now. Call.
1: Did you read for a specific part?
0: Yeah, I was reading for the part of Potsy. Potsy. Yeah, yeah, because Ralph was uh, the, the, he wasn't a regular character in the or, original idea. Wow. So I was reading for Potsy, and then so then they called me back for a third time to do a screen test. But um, And Ron and Hanson were there testing, even though they, they had actually done the pilot a year and a half earlier, and it didn't sell. Uh-huh. So they showed it on uh, as an episode of Love American Style, because it didn't sell. But then American Graffiti came out, and Grease came out on Broadway, uh-huh. and then I think they, the, the network said, well, maybe we should rethink that show. <laughs> but they wanted Gary to redo the pilot. I make a new Because it was like almost two years old and, and the network thought that Ron and Anson maybe would be too old now to play the high schools. And Gary still wanted them, but he had to go through this whole, almost a charade of screen testing. All these people wow. to show the network. So they had to test again, even <laughs> though they had done the pilot. And then Ron and Anson got the part. My agent called and said, you know, you didn't get the role, but they liked your screen test so much that they want to put you in the show as a regular. And there's a small part in the pilot, but that will become a, a regular character. But um, there's a little twist to the story, which oh. I don't know if I should say now or if it it might come into play with one of the questions you're going to ask me later. So I don't know if I should hold off on No, that.
1: no, tell me now. Tell me now. Tell, tell me now. now. <laughs> okay.
0: So this had to do with, like, mistakes, you know, that maybe oh, turned out.
1: Oh, uh-huh. Okay.
0: So what happened was um, I mentioned I was up for another show at the same time mm-hmm. and I was really much more interested in, in drama than comedy I was not a comedian I was not like Ralph at all. Right, that was just a character I mean if anything I was much more like you know Richie Cunningham in, in high school I was an honor student pretty quiet and shy and I was not Ralph I knew people like that you know but that's what acting is so uh, I was looking for more dramatic roles and I was up for this other TV movie at the time that was a two-hour drama set during World War II, and it was written by a guy who, who had written uh, one of my favorite movies at that time was a movie called The Summer of 42. Oh, yes. It was a great movie. It was an awesome movie. And he, this guy, Herman Rauker had written it, and he had written this uh, two-hour TV movie. And it was being directed by a guy who was had one of the biggest TV movies of all time then, uh, the original Brian Song which um, starred James Caan and Billy D. Williams about uh, about Brian Piccolo. Uh, and the director, Buzz Kulick, I remember his name. And I was like, oh, wow, this is the kind of project. That's what you wanted. That's what I really wanted to do, that kind of material. And my audition went great. It went great. And they told my agent that they loved me and that I had a really good chance to get this part. And they were waiting to see uh there was a part of my uh, uh of my uncle in the show and they were hoping to get Jack Warden the wonderful actor to play that and they thought I looked like a young Jack Warden and it would be perfect but but Jack was in Europe shooting a film and they weren't going to get an answer from him for like a week so I get the call from my agent and um and they said you know told me they want you for this uh for happy days but uh it's not the role it's another role you mm-hmm. know and I said, but what about that, that TV movie? You know? <laughs> and he said, well, you got a really good chance of getting that. You uh-huh. know, we decided to, uh, pass on happy days.
1: You passed on happy days. Yeah. You originally said no.
0: Yes. Yes. I mean, we said no <laughs> on that Friday. And then as luck would have it, my agent, one of my agents, um, a guy named Mark Harris, who was working at Jack Fields agency that was, who's representing me. He played basketball every Saturday at Gary Marshall's house. <laughs> so, <laughs> so uh, during a break in the game, Gary comes over to Mark and says, "Hey, what's go- what's going on with your boy? You know, turning us down." And,
1: <laughs> How and, dare you?
0: <laughs> yeah, and and Mark says, "Well, you know, he's up for this other thing." And da da da. And Gary then said to my agent, "Well, instead of guaranteeing seven out of thirteen episodes, we'll guarantee him." 10 out of 13. And instead of, it was like $750 an episode, we'll give them $1,000 an episode. You know? Which
1: is a lot of money for back then.
0: Yeah, back then it was good. Yes. It was good money. I mean, it's nothing compared me to too, now, but right. but it was pretty good money. And uh, you know the fact that they were going to guarantee me 10 out of 13, sure. it was like, well, that was a more bigger commitment. And so he calls me on Monday and tells me this. And I, I said, what about the other thing, though? And he goes, well, <laughs> you know, you got a good chance. But, but you Jack, don't know yet. We don't know. And if Jack doesn't do it, you still have a chance. But, you know, you could wind up with nothing. nothing. And and I had had a fr- couple of friends over the weekend, actor friends, saying, wait, you're crazy turning down the pilot. And I, But I wanted to do drama, not comedy, you know. But uh, we decided then, um, okay, let's take it. <laughs> so that's how that happened. No, but
1: you were kind of disappointed, right? You, did you take it? And did you feel like you had to take it because because there was guaranteed work?
0: You know, it was it was a it was tough. It was a tough decision. But I, I guess I felt w- when they were willing to commit to to be more being episodes. in it, more episodes and more money that, I guess it gave me the feeling that they really were going to be serious about having me be an integral part of the show so that really carried a lot of weight for me and and the fact that it was a burden hand and I was starting to second guess my decision of turning it down right so you know it was it was, but, um, but it got
1: you more money and more shows when you turned it down the first time, yeah. right? That's good. Yeah,
0: so that was... Uh, That's a
1: great mistake. Yeah, it was kind of, you know, maybe
0: I made a mistake by turning it down, but it yeah. worked out. Very <laughs> nice.
1: Now, how long did it take before you guys realized that this was going to be huge or that this is huge?
0: It We didn't become like really big. Uh, we, we didn't jump to number one, which we became for several years. Uh, not until the third season. Mm-hmm. The first season we were kind of like a minor hit, you know, and we were doing well in the ratings, but uh, maybe got to 20th or, you know, in the top 20, but it wasn't a huge hit. But I felt very early on like we had something special, you know, the chemistry that I could, the visceral feeling of that was palpable to me. And, And just seeing all these actors coming together and everyone was you know it kind of looked like oh we're a bunch of people a bunch of kids goofing off having fun but everyone took it very seriously and you know they they were dedicated to to the work and and talented people as time has borne out look at what Ron Howard is doing now Mm -hmm. and and Henry Winkler who just won an Emmy for (laughs) for Barry on HBO and um, and Tom Bosley who had you know won the Tony on Broadway for Fiorello and and Marion Ross, who's an incredible, wonderful... She's a sweetheart, and, isn't she? Oh, and, and a wonderful actress. And, um, and working with Anson and Erin, God rest her soul, and um, and Pat Morita, uh, who was fantastic, and then Al Molinaro after. So I remember having conversations with my parents in Brooklyn saying, you know what, this feels really... I think this is going to sell when we do the pilot. And then... There was such a great energy And then Working with um, We had a, An incredible director Named Jerry Paris Who um, Was one of the greatest And And Working with him and, and all the other people It just It felt It just You knew That that we had something But it took a while For it to really Break out And That was in the third season When They did Because in the second season Our ratings actually Were going down. down And we were in danger Of not getting picked up For wow. the third season but then uh, they decided, and Jerry Jerry kind of spearheaded this idea, I think, of turning us into a three-camera show in front of an audience because all the hot comedies back then were in front of an audience. Studios. And we weren't. We, the first two years we uh-huh. were shot like a movie, one camera. And the other big decision was since Henry's character, Fonzi was getting catching on, becoming so popular, to move him up um, into more of, a starring role opposite Ron as opposed to a, you know, a supporting character. Those two things in the third season, because it changed, we had different writers and doing it in front of an audience. It was a different kind of energy at which was popular at that time. And still to some degree that seemed to make the difference. And that's when we became really big. How many seasons did you guys go? The show went eleven. I did the first seven seasons, mm-hmm. and then after that, my contract was up. And I, I, another tough decision, but I, uh, Ron and I both did not continue after the seventh season where everyone else did. Mm-hmm. So I did seven of the 11.
1: How did you handle um, the stardom,
0: mm-hmm.
1: right? I mean, yeah. when you guys were really hot and you were very popular, I mean, you know, I wasn't, watch, I wasn't paying attention to Hollywood back then, right. I, but was it the kind of like the TMZ where you go out and people yeah. recognized you kind of stuff back then?
0: Yeah. I mean, we were, it, it, it's, it was very difficult in many ways. It was, you know, at the beginning, it was incredibly exciting and fun, but then it becomes very difficult when it's just all the time. It's not like you could turn it off. Um, in some ways it was uh, not as bad as it is now because we, you didn't have the TMZ and the paparazzi hounding people like they do today. But, there were only 3 networks on at the time <laughs> so there was no cable there was no internet right. there was none of that
1: no social media no social Ugh. media
0: so we literally would have 50 million people watching us every tuesday night or Amazing. or more than 50 million sometimes so so you couldn't go anywhere without being recognized and and having your life turned Totally 180 right. or 360 or I don't know <laughs> what degree, you know? And, 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 you know, you, people go, well, isn't that fun? And isn't, and, you know, you're young and it's, it's, it's exciting for sure at the beginning, but it starts to take on a, a toll in a in a very invasive way. No, no, you know? I, I understand. Yeah. I think a
1: lot of people who aren't in the business right. uh, think, oh, that would be great to be famous. Um, and then it sounds, Whenever I talk to celebrities, I understand that when you talk about the drawbacks, it's not that you're complaining because we're all very fortunate to have done what we've done, right? right? You were fortunate to be in that situation. Oh, yeah. It doesn't mean that it wasn't tough. It doesn't mean that you can't talk about, you know, the challenges that you had. Right. One of the things when I first met you and I I found out that which I thought was uh, so amazing is because because you were so popular in that role. And that's all I knew you from. That's all a lot of people knew you from. You and Ralph Melf were the same person in our eyes.
0: Right, right.
1: But you couldn't be—I f- mean, you couldn't be farther apart. <laughs> right. You know, he's the the funny the kind of clown. clown you know, yeah. um, and and you were actually an introvert. You kind right? Of, right? Yeah. I, yeah. I I that is so that blows my <laughs> mind. But did you find that people expected you to be like Ralph Melf?
0: Yeah, I think so. I, I think uh, they'd be surprised that I was not him, and maybe. Sometimes disappointed because they wanted they wanted me to be that way, and um, which was a compliment because they liked what uh, you know they found me to be engaging and, and and convincing right. and funny and and all that. Um, but so it would run the gamut from being surprised, pleasantly surprised, to being disappointed. <laughs> but um, but it, where it really was tough is.
1: To get any other work, I bet. yeah, for You the were pigeonholed.
0: Co- yeah, to get so pigeonholed in, in that character because we were um, so uh, you know so popular and, and ready in reruns while the show was still being made. We wow. were in syndication. Yeah. And so people could see it five times a, a week. And so the industry, uh, even more than the public, because a lot of times when I'd go around the country, I would hear from people, oh, when are we going to see you in something else? Like the public was... I think more uh, accepting of that or willing to see me in other things then. But the industry, they play very safe, you know, I think, uh, where it's, Oh, they tend to like to categorize people It's easier They know how to Oh, this person does this This mm-hmm. person does that Yeah, let's use him for this Because he's Look what he's You know, he did this three, four times So it's already. an
1: industry thing It's not from the public The public would have loved to see you other do, do other things But the industry yeah. itself, you think? Yeah, I think more Insiders? so mm-hmm. More
0: so than the public um, Sure, I mean some Some of the public might have said oh I don't know if I could you know see him in that role but but if I had the chance they would you know but, but but in general I just got the feeling that the I was surprised at how much the public would say to me oh we'd love to when are we going to see in something else mm-hmm. where I I couldn't even get auditions for the you know things I wanted to, to go on um, after I left Happy Days and you know I'd go a, a long time without getting a chance to even go in and you know, because I told my agent I want to do films and theater, but I don't want to even do another sitcom or anything like that for a while.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And, you know, I, I went six months without an audition because, wow. you know, so I was like, oh, wow, I just hit a brick wall, you right. know? I mean, it was an incredible experience and wonderful in so many ways, but for an actor who wants to have a long range range and a career that that has legs it it certainly posed some um some big challenges
1: and then of course one of the best things is that you met your wife on the show
0: yes that that (laughs) has to be the best thing about the show um my wonderful wife morgan she it was in the last season that i was on the show she did a couple of guest starring roles and um we just hit it off right away and started dating and then uh two years later got married and so we've been married 36 years now. Wow, wow congratulations. So thank God um, for happy days in that regard. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah, and you have two children. Yeah. Are uh, either of them in, in the industry?
0: No. Smart. No, which is, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm happy about that. Um, yeah, they didn't uh, have really any... My younger daughter, uh, when she was about 10, she ex- had an interest in doing it and she went to a acting class for a while and you know the audition process is is pretty brutal, and you're ten years old, and and uh, so she went on like three auditions and just hated that experience, and then lost interest.
1: I'd, I'd have to agree with that. You know, I've um, I've done a lot of TV and film, but because I was working at CBS, I could only do newscaster roles, right? Oh. They wouldn't let me do anything else because of credibility issues, which I understood. Oh, okay. Um, and I only auditioned twice. But right. like working on the TV every night is like your own uh, auditioning. And I got most of my roles by just casting directors say, we want Lena Wynn. Right. But I went on, I remember the first time I went to audition and uh, didn't know what to expect. And I, as I'm walking up to the room, I see all these Asian girls, because <laughs> they were looking for an Asian reporter. I see all these Asian girls dressed the way we actually don't dress, like from head to toe in a oh. pantsuit, oh. reading lines and doing this weird stuff and not to uh, talk down that part of the industry, to me, it just felt like dirty. Like, I didn't like it. Mm-hmm. It just didn't feel right. But yeah. maybe it was because I'm used to being a news person. I was going in to do a, you know, a news role. Right. Um, but I, de- I don't like that auditioning process it- yeah, at all. Pr- it's
0: very tough. It's It can be brutal. And um, I was able to handle it better when I was 17, 18, 19, 20, then – than i do now um i used to not mind auditions now i, I don't like them at all
1: right. <laughs> i just don't like
0: them um because and it's not i don't think it's so necessarily a barometer either of what you might wind up doing in that role because the situation is very unnatural you're a lot of times you're reading with uh, a casting director or an assistant who they're not actors they're just reading lines so you're not Really in a scene with somebody, They're right, just, right, and and you're you're sitting in a chair in a room. It's sterile, you know. It's not like you're on the set, and it's. It,
1: and there's it, twenty people outside uh, waiting to do the exact same thing. They, yeah, it's like a. I mean, really, is a cattle call. Yeah, sometimes they right. just kind of run you right through like yeah. an assembly line, right?
0: Yeah, and it just it's it's not indicative. Uh, I mean, to some, yes, you can discern certain things from from an audition uh, and in terms of what a director and a producer are looking at, but it. It's not necessarily a great barometer, and and it's just a, in some ways unfair process. But you know, until they come up with something better, it's what the way they've done it for a long time, <laughs> and, right? And it works. I mean, they they do get great people to to roles. They can, and I've been on both sides because I've directed three films now, three independent films, and so I be auditioning people, and mm-hmm. I just, so I see see from that side too, and it. There's good... There's pros to it, um, but... Do you I, like directing? Yeah, I, I loved it. I, I And I'm trying to... I'm hopefully going to be doing it again. I've got a bunch of projects I'm working on getting out there. Um, I did my first one in 99, a film called The Last Best Sunday, which was a very heavy drama. And then I did another one several years later called uh, Moolah, as in money. And that was a more a comedy, comedy drama, and then I did a family film I directed called Harley's Hill, sort of a girl in a horse movie. You know, mm-hmm. it was a real sweet film. So um, I love the experience, and I want to do it more. But but I don't want to give up the acting, and um, by any means. And I've recently gotten the chance to do some very interesting acting roles in. Uh, two films and a and a TV pilot, all in the last few months.
1: Wow, good. Yeah. So. Well, and, and isn't the business kind of like that? Like when it rains, it pours sometimes, and then you'll go through this dry spell and have yeah. nothing. So to be able to make it as an actor, you have to be able to kind of
0: withstand those, all of that.
1: Yeah. The ups and downs and right.
0: Yeah. It is Starve
1: a, sometimes and <laughs>
0: <laughs> Well, it, it is a ro- it definitely is a roller coaster. It does have its ups and downs and dry spells and and then all of a sudden. You know, for whatever reason, there's a, a surge of activity and like this has happened, uh, you know, it's been happening for me on the acting side over the last five years. I'd say we're been getting more opportunities uh, doing some interesting independent films. Uh, but these last two in particular were just great roles, really great roles. In, and I loved the scripts and uh, the material. And... Um, and shooting them in on location and in really interesting locations. Some of the better experiences I've had in a long time. Mm. So it was exciting for me.
1: Do you find now that you're older and more further removed from Happy Days and the people who are in the industry, you know, right? Everyone's younger. Everyone's moved away from that. That they don't connect you with Ralph Melf anymore. That it's easier uh, now because you're not yeah. tied into that role anymore.
0: That That might be part of why it's getting better why it's been getting easier for me to get these kinds of roles because um i mean it works both ways uh some of them will remember me but because there's so much distance from it in terms of how how old you know i mean i'm a lot older now than i was when i was doing the show so um just that and alone i'm in a totally different age range Mm -hmm. and then with the amount of time that has elapsed they feel like oh you know it's not as you're not as tied to it in in their immediate memory, you know. So yeah, all that distance and time definitely has helped, I think. Mm-hmm. And some of and sometimes maybe some of the people don't know me from it, so they could just look at me more objectively mm-hmm. in terms of if I go in and do an audition, and they like if I fit the part, then mm-hmm. that's what matters, right?
1: Know? And that's what should matter, right? Yeah. So I met Don. Uh, Years ago, probably maybe six years ago, something like that, at a poker tournament. Right. And I think I might have knocked you out of that poker <laughs> tournament. And it, it wouldn't have been the first time I knocked you out of something. How long have you been playing poker?
0: Um It was probably right around that time, six years oh. ago. I got invited to play in some other... Uh, charity tournament and so i had to learn how to play texas hold'em and then um my wife uh, you know came along with me when it went to a game that we a social game that we learned it and then she kind of liked it gravitated towards so it so
1: didn't she you mean she also learned like not too
0: long ago y- yeah well this uh, six yeah, years then, yeah. ago yeah so she's so, a
1: great yeah, player by the way yeah she's, she's a, awesome
0: she got very serious she became really into the game and sort of study a student of it she just loved it and read books on it and i got her a private lesson with annie duke oh yeah and then she did annie duke's boot camp and so she she's the serious player i just play in charity events and (laughs) social events (laughs) you've
1: played at my home games and your wife always outlasts you oh yeah you end up on the couch (laughs) and uh, we'll wake you up when she's done playing (laughs) to take you home (laughs) hilarious do you you have a favorite hand Like, is there a hand Um, that you
0: always play? You you
1: always play, even though the book says you shouldn't play. You know? Uh,
0: Yeah, I don't know that I have that. I know I've heard that some people like they they'll play. You know, like a
1: nine ten suited, uh, yeah, yeah. nine
0: ten suited or something like that. No, I don't have a hand that I always play. I, I just sort of feel it at the moment. But you know, and sometimes it works because I've actually placed in some of these tournaments where, you know, I came in either first, second, third. Oh, very nice. But I'm just very erratic. You know, I could do... You're crazy. I could do really well or (laughs) I could just get knocked out pretty quick. Would you say you're...
1: Are you conservative when you play or do you kind of mix up your style?
0: I, I mix it up as as the day go as the as as, as the drinks come as the drinks flow, <laughs> <laughs> and then I go from conservative to loose.
1: <laughs> All right, so uh, Don, back I would say about five years ago or so, uh, a little bit after you know we met and became friends, we had lunch one day talking about a charity event, and and you had said to me that you know you've always liked singing and that you're really thinking about touring yeah. like doing a CD and 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 touring. Right. I remember having this talk and and thinking, "Wow, like how brave are you to start at that age right. to be doing this um and you went and you did it." And for anyone who doesn't know and I think a lot of people have have seen you and heard you now uh because I've mentioned it to some friends and and I said, "Yeah, did you know he's singing?" And they're like, "Yeah!" And everyone is surprised. Yeah. Everyone is surprised, yeah. probably because they still think of Ralph yeah. Mouth. Right. Well, you should listen to Ralph Mouth on stage. In fact, here we're listening to this really quick here.
0: <laughs> Never treats me sweet and gentle.
1: You went back to this music that you so loved as a young boy.
0: Yes. yes. Now
1: you're old enough to look good singing it on stage. (laughs) Yeah, right. Um, And you're having like the time of your life. I mean, you were just in New York.
0: Yeah, I was just at a great club uh, doing my show, a club called The Cutting Room. It was my first time there. I had a terrific show, and I'm doing a show in a week from tonight uh, here in L.A. at Catalina's Jazz Club, which is like, Probably the premier jazz club. I in town. love
1: that place. In yeah. fact, I went and saw you at a show there, and um, I got to tell you, it's it's the it's big band when you're there and you're feeling it in your bones. You know what I mean? Yeah. It is really quite an experience, and yeah. and I felt like I wasn't in Los Angeles. I yeah. just really felt removed from everything outside, and it was just wonderful.
0: Oh, thanks. Yeah, it, I love that room too. Um, it it you know it's reminiscent of the supper clubs from in New York that I used to go to uh, you know Copacabana where I saw Bobby Darren and, and um, yeah you just get lost and, and when that big band starts to play and if it's you know great musicians and great arrangements it's it, it just puts me... I get so high. I literally feel like I'm floating off the ground when, when that music starts.
1: Well, you really look like you're having fun when you're on stage, yeah. too. It is so fun to watch you doing it. Uh, do you have, like, a favorite microphone?
0: Um, you know, I do have a, my own mic that... Um, it's called The Blue. Um, a friend of mine started this company, and he gave me this mic. And it's funny. We'll go to a, a venue, and we'll see what they have, and because every mic is different I mean everyone's voice is different the frequency and so some t- work better with some mics than others and this one seems to be a really good one for me the blue but um, uh, but sometimes they'll have they'll have something there at the venue that just sounds great and I don't mess you know I don't mm-hmm. mess around but uh, it's, and I'm still learning I'm still learning some of those uh, those little the different intricacies and details of of this whole, other world although like i said i i did it when i was 15 so in some ways it, it was so natural for me it was i remember when i did my first show um after all those years i did it at a place in la called the Oh, i love stadium. the
1: Tellos, down the street from me
0: down the street yeah yeah, yeah it is right down the street <laughs> um so i remember i had no idea it had been so long since i'd done uh, uh sh- my own show and, and this kind of music and you just don't know what to expect. And, but when I was, once I got up there with an audience and the music, it felt, uh, I just felt so natural. And I guess because I, I'd done it when I was a kid and it's like riding a bike or something. Well, you know? but,
1: but you loved it so much that yeah. it gave you such a, an energy or such an inspiration that it felt like home, right? Yeah. Like, oh yeah. This is where I belong.
0: <laughs> right? Yeah. It felt so comfortable, absolutely, and like I said before, not that I want to give up acting because I'm loving uh, the the parts that I've been getting lately and 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 the process. I, I love it, but I knew at that time I just said if I'm ever going to do this music, um, I better do it now because back then when it was uh, when in the '60s and '70s it was tough to do this kind of music as a unless you had already been really established, mm-hmm. you know. But now you know it's come back over the last well it really started sometime in the late 80s coming back i think with harry connick doing it and and then tony bennett doing his his uh, he did an acoustic thing um and then artists like diana Krall and and um rod stewart does did five or six albums of standards and and natalie cole was a big part of that movement as well and now michael Bublé doing it that music has had a resurgence and and a rediscovery, and and it was like, okay, well, this is the time for me if I'm ever going to do mm-hmm.
1: it. And, and you've really yeah. have done it; it's awesome. Do you find in your audience that you've got people of all ages, and not just not just the old people? Oh, we can enjoy this again.
0: Yeah. Do you? F- yeah, it's a nice cross section. Um, and the cool thing is, is sometimes young younger people will be in the audience because you know their parents brought them, or you know they came along as a guest with somebody, and and they haven't really been exposed to this kind of music and then you see it in their expressions and they were like, Wow, I yeah. love this. This is so cool. And well, it's so
1: different from the music that's being produced today. Yeah. And I know there's a lot of I'm just not I guess I have an old soul, but like most of the music that's produced nowadays, I just I don't listen to it. Yeah. You know, it's something my kids, ten and twelve, will listen right. listen to. To me, that's it's so uh overly produced and, and I, I can't stand it. Yeah. But it's the standards, it's the stuff. I mean, yeah. I'm a, I was just born in the wrong decade. Yeah, me too. I guess. I <laughs> love that
0: music. Yeah, me too. I um, guess. Is there a
1: website where people can go to find out where your shows are next?
0: I have a website Donny um, and I have a calendar and I, I I need to update that. I'm glad you reminded me. I post about it a lot on Facebook and Twitter.
1: Oh good, so we'll find you on uh, on social media and you'll post about where yeah, you'll be next.
0: Yeah, that that's probably even more reliable. You know I, I have a page Don most and a Don most music. I have two pages and Twitter it's at most. Underscore Don. Okay, and uh, we'll the, find you. Yeah. Social
1: media is just a lot easier to update. Trust me,
0: I know. I know.
1: <laughs> okay, um, five questions. I'm going to ask everybody. Your first paying job. Do you remember?
0: Yeah, as what? a lifeguard. Really? Yeah, a lifeguard when I was 16. Wow. <laughs> yeah,
1: that's pretty cool. Okay, yeah. the best mistake you've already you've already told us. Right. You. You actually turned down Happy Days <laughs> right. and ended up getting uh, more out of the deal for yourself. Yes. And it was great for you. So that's yeah. good. Yes. Now, if you could be anything.
0: Yeah.
1: Okay. that That's not anything that you're doing now. So no show business. Okay? No show
0: business. Right.
1: But with guaranteed success. Right. What would you do?
0: You know, because uh, there are two things that came to mind. So um, if I could be a professional golfer, you know, that would be cool. <laughs> But, but then something else popped into my head that I think I even like better. And oh. that, I, I, an astronaut. If I had guaranteed success there, You'd I'd like to be an astronaut. Is yeah. that
1: something like from a, like a little boy yeah. dream kind of a thing? Uh,
0: yeah. I mean, never, I never really said, Oh, I'm going to do that. But the idea of of being able to go up in space. And,
1: well, this this reminds me because you and I had a conversation about this. We did. You've actually done a lot of research into like UFOs. Oh,
0: yes. Oh, yeah. A lot of research and I have a project. One of my projects um, is based on two books about that subject and, and the life rights of the researchers because it's all real. I mean, the stuff that I read about is, you know, things that uh, purportedly happened and there's a lot of witnesses and, and oh, signed affidavits Davidson' deathbed confessions. I
1: love this stuff. <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's not just a, a, a an interest in sci-fi you actually have a real interest in,
0: in I guess I guess the the, the existence of, of other life forms that have visited us and that are there you know have been here and and are out there and all of that. So
1: you truly believe yes. that there's extraterrestrial life
0: Oh yes without a doubt I oh, totally I believe that love and this I concept. believe they've been here.
1: Really? Yeah. And, and that's from just the...
0: All the reading that I've done. I mean, I've, since for many years, I've I've b- b- been well versed in, in the materials that have been out there and um, continue to. And especially with this project, because then I got to know Don Schmidt, who wrote Witness to Roswell, along with Kevin Randall. And that's one of the books that we've optioned. My partner, Bryce Zabel and I, who created the show... Dark Skies, which was uh, about the same subject. It was an NBC show. It was like an alternate history approach to it. So we optioned that book and then, and then meeting Stanton Friedman, who's sort of the premier ufologist, the grandfather of ufology, a former nuclear scientist who then s- started reading stuff and and then became a true believer, and he he's written many books, and one of the books is called uh, "Top Secret Magic" M A J I C. So those two books, um, meeting them and reading those, and getting to know the the people, um, it just opens your your mind up to amazing things that are that once you start getting into it, it's uh-huh. like holy cow, holy. You know, so I you think know there
1: have been, like, abductions?
0: Uh, you know, the abduction thing I'm, I'm not quite as sure about. Um, I, I definitely think there's a, a good possibility of mm. that. I, I, I'm not as clear in that my mind about the that whole abduction phenomenon as but I you, am. But you but,
1: think we've been visited? Yes,
0: yes. I definitely think so. I think Roswell uh, was the, you know, and that's where the sort of the big – The base of the story of our movie revolves around that incident. And um, I I think there's such clear, uh, 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 such an enormity of corroborating evidence for it.
1: Since you've done all that research and and you have the beliefs that you do, does that change the way you look at life, change the way you view human life?
0: Mm -hmm. I guess it has to. You know, I I haven't thought about it too much in the sort of the religious sense or – spiritual sense but 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 if you have to if i mean why would we be the only you know, life form and you know the creation of it it's it's beyond my you know comprehension but but then it just makes it the broader picture of of a, a force that we don't understand that we can't understand god or whatever it is but why would we be the only ones? You know,
1: I, I've I've often yeah. asked that myself. Right. So then, when you look at the NASA stuff um, and the fact that they've you know found signs of you know water, water in the past, all that right. stuff, like um, on
0: the moon or in Mars wh- or, wherever, right? right?
1: We're trying to explain other life by how we define life: water,
0: right? right?
1: Do you think? That maybe life can exist without what we oh, right. need to exist, right?
0: Right. I mean, I've I've often thought about that. That you know, the the pure physics of what we know, the chemistry and the physics. Uh, how do we know that it couldn't evolve in a completely different way with different conditions somewhere else? Somewhere else, and that, you know, and that's why they have green blood, and you know, as opposed right. to red blood, or that's why you know they don't need. Uh, oxygen as much as they need carbon dioxide or or whatever or, or whatever it, or is. Whatever it might right. be it's like a totally different uh circ- a set of physics that mm-hmm. exists there
1: and do you also find amazing the fact that we only use a very small percentage of our brain 10 percent right right our brains are actually capable of, of much so much more.
0: more right um yeah and that may be other species have been able to evolve to the point of using a, a you know, a higher percentage of their brain, I'm sure. That's, that's awesome. probably true. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the <laughs> wheel will get there at some point, at some point as a species.
1: Uh huh. Uh uh-huh. <laughs> I love that stuff. Okay. Um, best dive to eat at?
0: Well, that was a tough one for me because I what, don't. What? Because you don't
1: eat at dives? I,
0: I, I, <laughs> I couldn't think of. I don't. I mean, I, I don't, um, the closest thing I could think of was when I was a kid, but not now. It's, it was Charlie's Pizza Place on, in, on Church Avenue in Brooklyn.
1: Uh-huh.
0: Because, is it uh, still there? I don't know. Oh. I, I'd have to go back there. But that that was that was where we always used to go. It was just this little pizza place, and you'd get a slice for 15 cents and two for a quarter during lunchtime. <laughs> so um, that would be the closest thing. I, because, I mean, they had the greatest pizza, though, mm-hmm. the greatest.
1: What is your favorite kind of food?
0: Oh wow! Um,
1: are you a foodie, or do or are you just one of those people you just eat to survive?
0: Yeah, I'm not a real foodie, but mm-hmm. but I do love going to good restaurants and probably Italian. You know, a really good Italian restaurant is maybe my favorite. But mm-hmm. but I like all kinds. That might be my favorite, mm-hmm. I guess.
1: And then, if you could ask me anything, mm-hmm. what would you ask? What me? is
0: your most common dream?
1: Ooh, that's a good one. You know what? I don't remember a lot of my dreams. Um, I dream a lot about water.
0: Uh-huh. Okay.
1: And and I know that different cultures have different uh,
0: interpretations uh, of dreams. Symbolisms and all right? that, right. And yeah. I don't know
1: how much you know about that. Do you uh, know anything about that?
0: Uh, just a little bit. Uh-huh. I, I, my wife, Morgan, knows more about that than I do. But, um, you know, I couldn't... Be instructive in that regard,
1: <laughs> um, but like Asians and I know Vietnamese, if you dream about water, yeah, and it's not a storm, meaning it's not a violent thing, uh-huh. it's actually it means fortune, so like money.
0: Oh. Oh well, that's okay. good. That's a good thing to be dreaming about. Then. If
1: it's not stormy now, if right. you're, now if your dream has water, but it's like stormy and you're <laughs> drowning, or you know, that's turbulent a big, times right, ahead. Turbulent, then, then that's yeah. uh, that's no bueno. But uh, yeah. very interesting. I've I have had dreams where um I wake up because I'm running, and I wake up exhausted. Hey, have you ever had a dream where it involves someone and you're pissed off at them, and you'll wake up? And, and you're still pissed and off. And you still at angry.
0: I don't know if I've. It might have happened that I don't remember. I've been having a hard time remember. You know, I I don't I haven't remembered a dream in quite some time. Isn't that weird? Where you can go periods of not have any recollection, yeah. and then and then have like two or three dreams in a week that you remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know what what's and, up and with that. When <laughs>
1: I wake up, and if I remember specific like numbers that stick out. You know, or something that—that's what always sticks out. But oh, numbers! It's, yeah, yeah, it's been a while since I've—I I've really—and thank goodness I don't really have any recurring dreams. Do you?
0: No, no. When I was a kid, I—I. I, but I think everyone did when you were young. I—I I had a lot of dreams where I had the feeling of flying. I, I would be in the air and oh, and, I've done that. Experienced yeah. the feeling of flying, but
1: a, like a good yeah, right? in a like great a nice. way. So not like a falling, but no. just like actual flying,
0: soaring. Wouldn't and that flying, be great yeah.
1: if? If people could fly. If we could fly like birds. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah. That was a very big one for me. Um, But that was a long time ago. I don't know if I've (laughs) had one. I'd like to have that dream again. Um, And I should mention on the the CD, the song that you played is from my CD called D Most, Mostly Swinging. Oh,
1: very nice. D Most.
0: Mostly Swinging.
1: Mostly Swinging. And it's
0: on iTunes and Amazon.
1: Okay, good. Very nice. I'm going to put some
0: links so people know where to find you.
1: Now, if you... Would, do you remember the lyrics to Happy Days at all?
0: Uh, yeah, I, yeah, I mean, I kind of remember them, sure. You
1: kind of remember well, them? Well, uh, Wait I Wait a second, when you were back then, right. how often did you actually watch the show— I used on TV, to,
0: I watched every episode. You know oh, when, you it when it first aired, pretty uh-huh, much. Uh-huh. I think so.
1: Did you ever get sick of the song?
0: <laughs> well, it's interesting. I was never. I preferred. You know, to, it was a very different style. Uh, the first two seasons, they used "Rock Around the Clock," Bill Haley's uh, famous version of that. Although they might have used uh, sound alike, but anyway, it was "Rock Around the Clock," which I loved. "Happy Days" was a very different kind of style and. I and not your style. No, I preferred. Well, rock around the clock. When you think about it, it's really almost. It's from the swing era. It's just with guitars mm-hmm. and 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 a little bit of a different, uh, a little different attack on it. But it it could that could swing. You could do that song and and totally do it with a swing band, you know. And so that's why I guess I like that. Better. Better a lot of but uh happy d- the Sunday Monday, Happy yeah, yeah, Days, yeah. Just, that was like more popish, you know a little yeah, you're right. more pop and I was never into that as much, you know, mm-hmm. I, I like jazz and swing and blues and that kind of music
1: because I know when I first met you, I had asked you, I I just actually what I just did was I said, done. Sunday, Monday,
0: <laughs>
1: or I'd say goodbye, gray skies,
0: <laughs> hello and, blue. <laughs> right, so to see
1: if you can. Uh, okay, so we're we're gonna have, we're gonna fade out on this one, but we're gonna see if you remember any of the lyrics. Sunday, Monday, happy days. Tuesday, hey, Wednesday, Wednesday happy, days. Thursday, happy days. Thursday, Friday, happy days. The weekend's, weekends come. My Michael hums, comes, ready, ready to race to you.
0: Wow, you know him better than <laughs> me. <laughs> <laughs>
1: See, this is happy music.
0: Yeah, no, it is. This, this is the rock. No, it is happy music. Don't get me wrong. It's
1: black, gray sky. It's Hello, blue. blue. Nothing can, blue. can hold me when, when I, hold I hold you. Feel so right. You, you can't, can't go be wrong. wrong. Rocking and rolling all week long.
0: <laughs> Not my key, it's more your key. <laughs>
1: It is great. So nice to talk to you, How uh, great Don. great to talk to you, Lena. And we have got to check you out. If you are able to check Don Most on stage singing, I'm- you have... Got to go see him. Oh,
0: please. It is such
1: an experience. It really, really is. It is such a treat. So I'm going to come see you next time you're at the Catalina. Catalinas,
0: yeah, I'd love to see you. Here in Los Angeles.
1: I know you've been in New York, and I know that. So just follow him on social media so that he can announce what city and what venue you're at next. Yeah,
0: I'm going to be at uh, a casino in Connecticut called the Mohegan Sunset. Oh, yeah,
1: huge place. Love that place. That's
0: great. Yeah. It's a great place. (laughs) I've been there. This would be my third time performing there. and and the movies that i did um they won't be coming out probably till 2019 but one is called uh, mbf uh, Man's best friend, and then the other is called Cult Cartel, and a very different, very different kinds of roles.
1: Uh, sounds like it. Yeah. Which is the the thing on the the UFO type stuff? What, oh, what movie, is that yeah? A-
0: that's that's tentatively called unidentified, uh-huh. um, and uh, you know that could change. And and we have some people looking at the script now, and uh, hopefully. Uh, we'll get it. We'll get it greenlit and and into production soon. I hope
1: that's awesome. I'm so happy to see that you're doing so many of these
0: other things. Oh, uh, thank you Again, so much for having me,
1: Don Mose. He's more than just Ralph now. I love you, Don. Thank you. Thank My you, love Lena. to Morgan. Find him on social media. Yes, indeed. Facebook, Twitter. He's all over the place. Love you.